Welcome to the Courage to Lead interview series for leaders who empower others to create supportive and inclusive workplaces where people can do their absolute best. Each week I will interview a leader who epitomizes the ability to empower others to lead and create amazing workplaces, environments and communities because of that skill. In these interviews I try as much as possible to let our guests do all the talking as they are the stars and not me. I trust you enjoy the lessons and wisdoms each guest shares, and if you're like me, listen to the interviews a number of times to capture some of the true gems of leadership we hear each week. Today's show has Emma Doyle and Natalie Ashdown, authors of a great book called What Makes a Great Coach. Emma is a coach, mentor, and keynote speaker who is sought after all around the world. She can help turn your motivation into action. She's a former Division One US coach tennis player and has represented Australia as a world team coach on 20 occasions. Emma is deeply qualified to know what makes a great coach because she asks this question of all her guests on the coaching podcast as a host of that show. She has interviewed over 500 expert sport and business coaches with over 30,000 downloads of that show to date. Emma is also a TEDx speaker on unleashing the female potential and a client say she is the modern day equivalent of the coach Ted Lasso. Natalie is one of the, Australia's most senior and experienced coaches and, has a and is a recognized speaker and author. She's one of the, a small group of coaches in the world to hold the International Coach Federation Master Certified Coach Credential. Natalie is the CEO of the Open Door Coaching Company and her clients include the Australian Defence Force. Together, Emma and Natalie have authored and wrote What Makes a Great Coach with the goal of using the lessons in sport to translate to business and in life in general, including being a parent and a grandparent. Calling upon the vast amount of data Emma has on her show, The Coaching Podcast, asking coaches and elite athletes who make up some of the world number one former and current tennis players, the results become very interesting. What is refreshing about their book, What Makes a Great Coach, is there are 10 chapters, but they're not called chapters, they're called actions. Both Emma and Natalie are all about action. The actions can be read in any order, whatever you have going on in your life at the, at the time. This makes the, the book a lifetime resource. These actions include decision-making, belief, purpose, passion, energy, empathy, listening, curiosity, communication, and resilience. You'll be blown away about how dynamic Emma and Natalie are together, and I hope you enjoy the interview as much as I did. They are extremely warm-hearted, energetic leaders who seek to provide the environment for people to do their absolute best. interview series today, two of our most high profile guests we've had on the show today. Um, their names are Emma Doyle with Natalie Ashdown and they're the authors of a fantastic book called What Makes a Great Coach. Now I've already had a chat with uh, Emma and Natalie before we started this ep uh, episode today and I'm, gonna, I'm not going to do their bio, I'm going to let them do their bio uh, and we're going to do it very democratically I'm not going to say who wants to answer the question first, but what I am seeking is a qu an answer to the question from both of you, probably to most questions. So over to you, uh, great um, people. Um, uh, what's your what's the bio for either, both of you? Yeah, well, maybe Aldous first. <laughs> <laughs> Go for it. Handle it. Yes, I'm um, yeah, Natalie Ashdown from Open Door Coaching. I've been coaching for nearly 20 years, actually. So uh, for those of you that might remember the Yellow Pages, it was back when you used to do advertising in, in the Yellow Pages was when I first kicked off. And, uh, yeah, spent my career um, bringing out the best in people. Uh, my background was in corporate, uh, corporate high-performance team coaching, and I uh, moved into coaching because I found that was the best way to, to bring out people and bring out the best in people. So, um, yeah, and I've spent my career really doing that, and it's been the greatest gift and challenge and wonderful. Yeah. yeah. What, a, what, a, what a nice way of um, summarising, 
yeah, and you can tell you how passionate you are about the smile on your face. So, um, yeah, over to you, Emma. So. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Emma Doyle from Open Door Coaching USA. Mm -hmm. uh, so the, the partner of Open Door Coaching. So I'm one of the, the lead facilitators, but I've spent most of my life as a high-performance tennis coach. So I've represented Australia, uh, I think, around 20 times at the highest level, uh, and there's no greater honour than donging on the green and gold uh, and so my background is in high performance team and tennis coaching, and then I've moved more into corporate speaking, corporate coaching, and facilitating the amazing courses that Open Door Coaching runs. I'm super passionate about how to harness energy, uh, inspire curiosity and purpose to help people perform with pressure rather than under pressure, with pressure. So there's some of the areas that I specialize in as a keynote speaker. And I love to do what I do. I have a global triangle between Melbourne, uh, Denver, Colorado, and anywhere in Europe. Uh, so that's um, so. It's so grateful to be here in Melbourne in person for the first time. Natalie and I haven't seen each other since uh, well for many years. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's, it's great to be in the same physical space. I know this is an audio podcast, um, but if you can feel our energy, it's yeah. it's been a lot of years coming, and and to be celebrating the book is just a, a huge honour. So thank you for having us, Alan. You're right. Well, you may be. Um because uh, the, the visual and your energy is so um, enriching, I suppose, um, in, intoxicating. You might be my first uh, YouTube video one. So, ah, we'll, we'll, uh, okay. so yeah, because I'm after one. I'm trying to get better at, at the interview. So I think UPair might be a good place to start. <laughs> so, love to be. All right. So we are going to explore your book, um, what makes a great coach and we can see that uh, behind you on the screen and that's probably the main reason we talk to you today but what this program is about is exploring um, leaders such as yourself, leaders, coaches such as yourself, how did you get to where you got to and what made you you um, and, and what a, it's, it's very um, amazing where all the once we start going down that rabbit warren everyone's story is different. Um, so before we go, before I ask you those questions, um, one of the, the things that we always ask on this show, and I prompted you with it, um, what was your first experience at True Leadership, no matter what and when and why? Yeah, who, who wants to answer that? So what was your first true experience of leadership? And it might be as a kid. It could be, you know, it could be yesterday. Okay. Well, I'll kick it off because uh, it does tie in nicely to the opening of the book as well. Uh, but I have been coaching actually after my paper round, my first part-time job was at being a tennis coach. And then, so I walked off that court and I thought, this this job is amazing. I get to wear my traction to work. I'm in front of all these young kids. And so I thought, well, I'm super fascinated. Like, how could I become the best coach? Like, what makes a great coach? And so when I finished high school, which I couldn't wait to finish, <laughs> I, I, I got into the course of my dreams, which was sports coaching and administration with David Parkin. And so basically what I discovered uh, around that with David Parkin was literally this, this true leadership. Like I was in his, his uh, first lecture on day one and his veins are popping out of his neck and he was – the, the blood was rushing to his cheeks and he was so passionate. I was like, this is it. I'm exactly where I'm meant to be. And as a true leader does, uh, because Natalie and I both have the, the same philosophy that, you know, the leader as coach is the way of the future. So he was the actual coach of the Carlton Football Club at the time, uh, uh, at the time as also running the um, this Bachelor of Applied Science in Sports Coaching. And so he pulls me into his office uh, and I talk about this this story really early on in the book and he's like, do you want to be the best coach that you can be? And I was like, yes, like what am I going to do? Like how do I do that? And he said, well, have you maximised your playing potential yeah, as a tennis yeah, player myself? Yeah. And I was like, I absolutely had not. And I couldn't work it out because obviously he would have um, re been receiving payment per student in the course for sure. I was paying you know, Deakin University there to be a student, to then ask me to sort of leave the course and go to America to explore college tennis, I was reflecting on what great leadership that was. Yeah. That was really selfless leadership. Selfless, it was really yeah. Yeah. Servant, servant leadership. It was leader as coach. He he took me almost like one of his, his players. 
and 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 really allowed me to to they, you know the, I love the Gandhi quote there go my people I must follow them for I am their leader yes yeah. and he that's what he did by asking me that one pivotal coaching question so that that one comes to mind handball over to you now yeah and I didn't I haven't heard that Gandhi quote so I love it no, I, I think I that's like one that. of the great yeah. things uh, it's uh one of the great things hanging out with um Emma Ellen is I start to take notes just like you are um, yeah. every time she opens her mouth so yeah. <laughs> that's really great yeah I wanted to contrast that story with um I think one of the my true leadership experiences was actually in how not to be a leader and that was a pivotal moment for me because I saw what bad leadership looks like and and in that moment I thought I am never going to be like that yeah. and uh, the story is of um, when a, an organization that I worked for went into administration and they so the whole company is basically shutting down and there was a as the, the leaders, the executive of the organisation that led the organisation into this uh, into this uh, situation, the CEO was standing at the front. But I remember the CFO and the and the uh, chief information technology officer. They were one of them was way off to the side, but it was the information technology officer. He was sitting on the floor, so there there wasn't enough room in the room. There wasn't enough seats, and and he was a really tall man and if you can imagine his body kind of concertining down into like a, a like a jack-in-the-box just sitting yeah. there and I thought real leaders stand up in times of adversity yeah. they don't sit on the floor over in the corner and I all I could think of and I appreciate now in with wisdom that he might have been going through you know what he's, whatever he's been through uh, in terms of the leadership of the organisation and the stress and the pressure, et cetera. But, but I looked at him and all I wanted to do in that in that instance was yell at him, stand yeah. up, like yeah. we have to stand up as leaders. Yes. And it, it links through to um, what makes a great coach. It links through to um, passion, but it really links through to um, belief and it links through to resilience. Like uh, leaders can lead... Um, lead their organisations through the good times. But I think uh, it's the true leaders that actually stand up in the in the difficult times. Um, and even though it was a super difficult time, I got to learn to stand up as a leader because I was the, the next in line. Yeah. So it's one of those times when the senior managers and the middle managers now have to lead the organisation. So I got to lead an organisation through adversity. Um, but seeing the other side of it um, was, was a really pivotal moment from a leadership point of view for me. That's good. I love how both of you have um, tied it into like your book has ten chapters, um, and you're mm -hmm. just but you're just because uh, you wrote it. <laughs> the pair of you wrote it. You just spoke out. You know, you've just um, spoken about several of what the titles of those chapters in. You know, uh, passion, belief, resilience, um, curiosity. You know, in all those answers. So uh, I love how you tied it into that, uh, and it's funny, isn't it? Um, how sometimes the greatest lesson can be what not to do. Um, yeah, and I, and I loved how, uh, Nat, you just talked about um, uh, it's really easy to leave when it's easy, but it's not, it's hard, when, <laughs> it's hard when it's hard. Um, and I just might take, go back to what um, Emma said uh, in one of those answers. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. I only talked about, I talked about, this was my eye doctor, yes, a couple of days ago. Um, I think you, you talked about the, your leader in the university course, Emma. Um, perhaps you could have been his best student in that course that year, um, and he was he was putting your your development over his capacity to have a good class and, and gave it away. That's pretty special. Hundred percent. That's exactly what happened, and that's great coaching, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And. Um, that's a real. That's probably the best answer I've had to that question. So well, well done, Perry. The pair of it. The gold star. I think, what, I think what's also important is that um, as leaders, you know, I see one of our jobs, our, our primary job, is to grow and develop our people. So um, in that, um, and we talk about it in the book as well. You're often going to grow and develop the person so that they outgrow you, or yes, they yes. are they've outgrown you in terms of the tennis coaching which happens to a lot of uh, elite uh, tennis players um, but also in the workplace um, they might 
uh, our our subordinates, so to speak, might outgrow us, but and that's a good demonstration of our leadership because we've been able to, to to develop and grow them and then they'll actually leave us which makes us sad but yeah. <laughs> we know that we've actually paid played that role um mm-hmm. and and i for one and emma's the same we want to be those type of leaders that yeah. grow develop um enable people to be their best um and so that they then potentially outgrow us as well yeah that's beautiful and we, uh, Nat, we might get Emma, so we'll put her on the spot. Can you repeat that Gandhi quote? Because that's what that quote's about. Yeah, yeah, there go my people. I must follow them for I am their leader. Yeah. One of the other guests on the show talked about um, that, you know, like leadership as a gardener. And, and they, they stand at the back of the garden, nurture the plants and they grow and they take off. Um, so it's very similar to that. Love it, love it. I knew you. I knew um, you like your books full of this stuff. But it's just uh, what I love about interviewing people like you, you pair and other leaders. Um, you just rolls off your tongue. You're passionate <laughs> about it, um, and it's not, it's not, it's not rubbish or bullshit as some people call it. Um, it's, it's fair income. It's your life, and it's your passion. So. Beautiful. So the, the next question, next question um, that I always ask is. Um, what is something about you the world doesn't know? <laughs> well, I might link this through to the book again, if you don't mind, no, um, Alan. Yeah, but, I'm um, in your hands. Thank you. I think I think um, perhaps a lot of people don't know that I was never I was never really a, a coach. <laughs> so, um, you know, I grew up in high performance in high performance teams. Um, I grew up as leader, the leader of those teams. Um, and I, I grew up at a time when it was actually easy to uh, recruit people onto your team uh, and get rid of them if they didn't high perform. So yeah. I was probably, and we see a lot of this in our coaching programs today, um, I was kind of that typical um, you know, high performance, very directive kind of uh, leader. Maybe, you know, I'd like to think I was a nice person, inspiring and motivating and all that kind of thing. But I was really directive, so it was kind of my way or the highway. Um, and I thought that was the best way to bring out the best in people, to tell them what to do, get them to do what you want them to do, yeah. uh, the way you wanted them to <laughs> do it. Uh, and if they didn't, then you 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 could get rid of them, basically. So yeah. I'm not that old, but it was during those times when, you know, the workforce was a lot more fluid. So, um, so for many, what people may not know is that I was never always a great coach. You know, I was never always focused on coaching. I was always focused on my own development and self-development, but um, it's really over the last, uh, you know, 15, 20 years, whatever it might be, that I've really, really focused on developing myself as a leader, as coach. And that's a different that's a different ball game. It's a different way of um, bringing out the best in people. It's what we've dedicated our lives to. Yeah. Um, but I have real empathy for those people who might sit in our coaching programs and go, but isn't it easier to tell them what to do? And yeah, what if yeah. you know the answer? And can't we just tell them what to do? And when I call, you can, but it's not going to bring out the best in the people yeah. you're working with. So they're, they're I, I share grow. that story because yeah. I sometimes think that people see you and you go, oh, you're a natural coach. Well. I had to learn to be that way as well, um, like a lot of our clients are learning, and we're learning every day as well. Well, I'll pick it Can I just, uh, just, uh, I just want to tell, I'm sorry, because uh, you're, you're the guest, but um, can I just uh, kind of summarise what you just said then? Um, like, and I think that's probably the biggest lesson that, that this um, interview series is uncovering. Um, leaders mightn't start off that good. No, they might make a lot of uh, they might make a lot of stuff ups and stub their toes and embarrass themselves, embarrass their organisation, embarrass their families. But if you're always le- looking to learn, um, you end up with what Nat just talked about. Uh, I think you need a few bruises to be good. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you've yeah. got a great quote about that. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you need to need to get smacked in the jaw. <laughs> 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 yeah, you have to read the book for the story behind that. But what I just wanted to comment on, uh, just off the back of what Natalie just said as well, Alan, is around this concept of, uh, you know, how I also grew up in a technical, heavy tennis mm. coaching world. Mm. So I, 
you know, a lot of parents would say, oh, you know, she's a great coach because maybe I was I was loud or I was extrovert and I and I made it fun and that that is important. Uh, but I spoke, you know, I I basically had verbal diarrhea in my early coaching <laughs> days and it wasn't until I met Natalie and I know that you're probably going to ask us about that story, but just briefly when I went and studied under the open door coaching methodology. Natalie asked me to run a coaching session where I wasn't allowed to give one directive command. And coming from a background where that's all I did, uh, I found it really confronting. And it was Mm. one of the biggest early leadership lessons that I had uh, to really strip back the layers of, well, what does it mean to be a coach? And uh, as as you know, Al and I have, my podcast is the coaching podcast, Coach for Success in Sport and Business. So what can business coaches learn from sports coaches and vice versa? And I think, I just wanted to say that because equally, I don't think, I think I was, you know, I, I wish I could give a refund to everyone I, I coached oh, in the first, uh, first chapter one of my career. But anyway, um, one thing that I wanted to share that I, I pretty much never share, um, and I just wanted to be super vulnerable on your podcast because I think that that's also the courage to lead yes. is in being vulnerable. Yes. Um, and that is what many people don't know about me is I used to uh, – I, I loved playing sport as a kid so much so that at nighttime when maybe uh, children should be developing their reading skills, I was playing whatever, cricket, football, usually to myself. I'd kick the ball up and, and mark it and, and – play stories about who I was, you know, what famous carbon football player I was pretending to be. Um, So I would then at school, I would count how many people would have to read out loud in class and then I'd run to the bathroom. And so it comes like I'm 16 years of age and really my reading skills are like no good. So therefore spelling, writing, all of that was a real big challenge and and then I paid people to read to me so then I could comprehend um, the books wow. much wow. faster because it would now I was so old and I'd got away, I'd flown under the radar in a big family, so no one really knew how much wow. I struggled in this area. And it wasn't until I went, when I was finally in the US playing college tennis, I did a course called Coaching Philosophy. And, and then that was the first time I ever remember picking up a book by John Wooden, a great leader yeah, 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 and yeah. coach. And I remember wanting to actually read it myself, mm-hmm. not, yeah. not even though obviously now there's audio books and, and I'm sure we're going to turn What Makes a Great Coach into an audio book as yeah. well for, for people like me who, who really struggled with reading. But I wanted to mention that because here we are as authors and this is part of my journey and my story. Mm. And so I just thought that would be something really interesting to share that I never share wow. uh, about, okay. about um, you know, how much I have goosebumps just standing mm. next to Natalie right now after all these, you know, all the years put into what makes a great coach as well. So I just that's thought I'd share that. Um, I think that's very authentic. And I think... Uh, the listeners or anyone that listens to a leader that's authentic and they get that vulnerability, that's what they remember because they um, they remember, well, I felt that, like that, felt like that too about something else. So you just said, um, and that, did you know that? Did you know that story? I did know the story from, yeah, from, yeah. from okay. the time that we were sharing. Yeah, okay. yeah. Right. yeah. So when you said, um, Emma, that you paid people to read, were they people in your class? No, like uh, my, my auntie... She uh, she used to really love going to the cricket. So and I loved cricket when I was yeah. a kid. So we would go to these test matches, and she would get like the book. But she like so she loved being at the MCG. She didn't mm. sorry she didn't love the game of cricket. She found it yeah. really boring. So she would read my my like my novels that I had to read for school to me, and I'd listen to them while I'd be watching the cricket. Yeah. <laughs> That's and that's cool. how I was able to comprehend them. Yeah, and I think um, that's another thing. You know, most leaders have someone at various stages of their leadership journey that supported them, that made the difference. Um, so that's pretty beautiful. So thank you. That's really nice. Um, so on the next question, and this could go, this could really go anywhere. Um, and your book kind of hints at it, but you're already starting to. What I find about authors who write books um you can't write everything in the in in the chapters there's not enough space because you've got all this other stuff 
that you want to say, but you can't say it because your editor saying keep it short, keep it concise. Um, so the question is, what really made you you as the leader you are today? If if you can, like in the book, you in the books you kind of it is a de, it's a development thing. You can see where it happens. So both of you, just and probably whoever taps first, the other one, the other one can start thinking about how they're going to answer it. Um, what really made you you as the leader you are today? And I, I'm in your hands. Whoever wants to go first. You, gotta, I, you go. Okay, you go. Uh, well, I I'm gonna um, I'm gonna relate uh, my story to my father, my dad, Leo Maguire, and actually. Um, I I decided for the dedication to actually dedicate um, the right. book yeah. to yeah. yeah to my dad and then um and then in talking uh, Emma decided to do that as well, but um, the reason why I think um, I'm bringing that up is because my dad always said to me you can be whatever you want to be, and what's really interesting is we didn't have a lot of money when we were when we were kids but we didn't really feel like we lacked anything and my dad. Uh, basically uh, spent all his money, not on holiday houses and cars, but he spent money on our education. Mm. So all of a sudden you start to think about the way that my father's influenced my life uh, with the things that he would say, like, you can be whoever you want to be. Uh, he invested in my education and now look at us, we that's what we do as jobs. We invest in people's educations, you know, and their, their growth and their development. And I can link it through... Um, Back to uh, back to the many things that my dad taught me, and my dad is probably complete opposite. You know, he was a real introvert. He never really understood what it was all about. He never said he set any goals. So here we are, all goal driven, and and dad said he never ever set um, any goals. I said, but what did you want for us? And he said, I just wanted you to be the best you could be. And I just wanted to offer you the best education I could afford. So I said, well, in our language, Dad, we call that goals. He goes, no, nah, I never really thought about that as a goal. But he did have a vision. And yeah. his his family and our family is the most important thing to him. Um, so I think I think those, those family values and loyalty and uh, the pursuit of trying to be the best person, being a good person and the best person you can be, um, is what really made me. And um, from a tennis point of view, um, Dad took me and taught me how to play tennis, yeah. and we won a number of um, tennis tournaments together. <laughs> you and your dad. And we, yeah, with wow. my dad, and we recently wow. looked up the history, and uh, wow. he's actually got a book on, and our names are there. Um, you know, as the as the tennis champions from whatever it was. Yeah. <laughs> at the local tennis court. So, um, yeah, so it felt really fitting to me that when I think about what makes a great coach, my father would never say he was a great coach, um, but all the practices and characteristics um, in the book, um, he really demonstrates those. So, and, and I think that's that's when I reflect on, uh, you know, who who I am and how did I get to where I am, um, That's that they're my reflections. Can I, before, before I go to Emma, like <laughs> this is where I love this this question. And Emma's kind of led already with a bit of vulnerability. Can you take me to a moment in your life, Nat, and you're, and you're relating it back to your dad, can you take us back to a moment that your dad did kind of set you on your way to your leadership journey? Can you, re can you remember one story, one, one family thing, one thing he did with you? One of the tennis championships, you know, the yeah, education. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One, well, one of the think, sacrifices. Yeah, for, yeah, they're all really great, um, really great ideas, actually. So I think one of the things that leaders do is they enable, they enable um, people. Um, and that's what I've always tried to do is enable others, you know, to be their best. And so my dad would do things like, um, he, he made a room out the back so I could study because we had a large family like Emma's family and there was never any quiet space to actually to study. So he built a shed out the back where, um, you know, where I could study. But it was also things like um, uh, I was playing classical guitar. Um, I was going to be a classical guitarist. That's something the world doesn't know. Um, <laughs> and um, and 
And so I had to study uh, classical guitar early in the morning and it was before mum and dad used to wake up. And I said to dad, I'm sorry, but I'm, I know I'm going to be disturbing you, but I I need to practice in the morning. And our house was small and it was right outside mum and dad's bedroom, the back room, you know. And I said, I need to, I need to, I need to practice in the morning and it's probably going to disturb you and wake you up. And he just said, I love listening to you. Yeah, yeah. And I just think, like, you reflect on it now about how enabling, not like, oh, yeah, God, you're going to wake me up, get out of here kind of thing. But, you know, um, so he would always enable whatever it was that we wanted, um, driving us, not just driving us to places, but, you know, with a large family, but um, just simple things like I love listening to you was all you needed to hear back then to enable you to do what you needed to do. That's beautiful. Uh, and before mm-hmm. uh, before we go to you, Emma, what I loved about Nat's answer, I think in the first minute that you came on and you did your bio, Nat, you said, um, I, I encourage people to be the best that they can be. And then the first thing you said about your dad, I want you to be the best you can be. So yeah, it's, it's yeah. funny. It's you virtually use the same words. So um, yeah. that's pretty big shoes to follow, Emma. So over to you. <laughs> She'll do it easily. (laughs) (laughs) Well, first of all, uh, Natalie is a published author well before What Makes a Great Coach. And interestingly, her uh, first book is called Bring Out Their Best. So I just thought I'd I'd say that. And the other thing, listening to Nat, uh, that I'd love to share a practical tip that I share with a lot of sports sporting parents out there who are leading their children through the dynamic world of high-performance sport, mm-hmm. uh, I really encourage them to say, rather than good luck before even somebody goes out to compete, whatever sport it is, I love hearing them say, um, I'm, I'm really excited to watch you play today. Mm-hmm. And remind what you said about listening to, I really love listening, I really love watching you play, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden you're setting setting that scene. And, and the other one that I that I love, which is a great coaching question that we, we cover in all the open door uh, methodology is, I wonder what I will discover today by watching you compete about myself mm-hmm. as a parent. So by watching my child compete, I wonder what I'm going to discover about me, like what emotions come up for me that I can learn through watching my child play a sport. And mm-hmm. I just thought that was really maybe a useful practical tip to well, just to what that's what came up listening mm-hmm. listening to your story, as well as of course uh, our our dads and the, the impact about it. it's gonna be so nice. They're actually gonna mesh on Sunday. Yeah. We are having a, a book launch party in Melbourne. And uh, that's that's going to be really a really special moment uh when we introduce them to each other and and the impact that they have because when I think about that that question that you asked, first of all, you know, what really made you, one of the reasons we didn't call um, the chapters chapters, we called them practices, is because of the evolution that is the journey of, of life. And that's yeah. not just being a coach, that's being a partner for you, it's being a mum, you know, a wife, etc. So I think that question a made me i don't think i've been i you know i don't think i'll ever be made you know i I get that it's like who i am today but i love the evolution of the word practice so i just wanted to to start with that and then the main point that came up for me was around this concept of i'm an overnight success it's just taken me 47 years (laughs) so and and what i mean by that is if i have wanted to achieve something it's always because I've knocked on 20 doors and and one of them opened in in fact my my father-in-law said to me the other day he goes Emma when you get your ninth no celebrate and I was like what are you talking about (laughs) I just had like a yet another you know rejection in the speaking world in America because they just haven't discovered who I am yet, right? Yeah, yeah. Yet, yet. yet. And so I kept, I got this another rejection for this speaking opportunity and he goes, celebrate. And I go, why? He goes, because the 10th one will be a yes. And then when, when you pose this question, that's what I've done. Like mm-hmm. in the book, I talk about rocking up at these tennis academies yes, with, yeah. with not having a job. I talk about just knocking on doors. I talk about picking up phones. And just being resilient and the fact even I started this this what makes a great coach process six years ago 
makes it even more rewarding to be standing here in person with my my co-pilot and mm. the fact that we've that you've been able to bring out the best in me through through this journey um i'm just so grateful for being an overnight success that will never end and take <laughs> me years of practicing and uh so i hope that answers your question you know it does. Yeah, it's it's exactly exactly uh, 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 what I love about it is, um, and I think this is what UPower are all about. Um, it's um, and that's why I've kind of, I just wanted to see how you how you do what you do together. Um, and it's pretty obvious there is no star. You're both part, equal partners. You both feed off each other. You you both get energy and and direction off each other and ideas like that once. Uh, Nat will say something, and Emma will. Oh, that'll, that oh, I'm right. I can talk for the next ten minutes now because um, of what Nat just said. Um, and what I love about what your answer, Emma, was um, the journey's never over until you say it's over, really. And we, and we never we never really stop learning if we choose to live it that way. Um, and what and I'll just finish. I'm just summarising how you answered it because you, you. I think you put yourself down a little bit that you maybe you didn't answer it well, but I think you answered it probably very eloquently, um, your success is linked to Nat. You can't you can't do what you're doing without a good team, without someone sitting beside you, sitting behind you, sitting in front of you um, to, to get the results that you pair are getting. So it's pretty pretty amazing. Um, I'm, I'm all right. They pick you up I mean, on that, Alan, if you don't mind, because I mean, Emma's success comes from within, truly. Um, it's her, um, it's her vision, it's her her resilience, her um, you know determination, her spirit, her energy. It, it, that all comes from within, and it comes out in authenticity. And then if you happen to partner up with someone, then it's an easy ride. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Like yeah, it, it makes yeah. it easier. But um, yeah. I, I definitely with respect, wouldn't agree with you that um, I'm the reason for Emma's success for a second, really. I, yeah, it's, I, um, didn't, I didn't mean that. I didn't yeah. mean that at all. No, no, no. no I didn't. I, I apologise if I said if I've – I just love the way Emma um, actually gave that kudos to you, I thought. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I think uh, yeah, yeah, it's a yeah, mutual yeah. appreciation society yeah, yeah, here, if yeah, that's what it sounds yeah. like. But it truly yeah. is. I think that's one of the things yeah. is, um, you know, there's certain people that come into your life that are not only great people, but, you know, Emma is a great leader um, and it's a privilege to hang out with her. And I think that's, you know, uh, what we've been able to achieve together through what makes a great coach. Um, but I've never seen anyone with the the spirit and the resilience and the, passion, <laughs> you know, passion, the passion yeah, and the energy, yeah, which makes, yeah. you know, working so much easier, I and, think. And yeah. fun. And fun, yeah. yeah, fun. yeah. Well, it's yeah. got to gotta be that. Yeah. And if it's fun, mm. if it's fun, you can do anything. And, and I think you know, I might just touch on the book a little bit. You know, what you talk about there and that about Emma, um, I think nearly every chapter has a quote from some coach or some player that Emma's energy is just beyond, um, yeah. and brings something else to the table. And some of one of the one of the chapters talked about it. Uh, Emma, you 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 wanted to go and learn how to be the best coach, so you went to America. Your mum and dad said we'll let you go, but uh, we're only going to give you so much money. Don't ring us if you have if you run out of money. <laughs> um, and then you turn up at this bloke's. I can't remember the some bloke's tennis range, some famous coach. You'd send him all these phone calls and all these emails that he never responded. And he, when you finally get to meet him, well, I know you. You're, you're, you're that annoying <laughs> person that rang me that I never rang back. So, yeah, it's just um, it's a gutsy, gutsy story. So, all right. Um, so the next question, um, and you've kind of both prepped for it, and it's obviously that you're business partners and a partnership in this book. How did you pair meet um, and what made you go down this path to put this beautiful book together? Yeah, so I'll kick that off just with the, the backstory in that uh, I, I was really burnt out as a tennis coach back in the early 2000s and I was burnt out not realising that I just didn't have enough tools in my coaching toolkit. So if you were extrovert and kinesthetic learner, then I brought out the best in you. And if you weren't that, then I don't know how to to bring out the best in you. And so I was really struggling. And I so I thought I was going to get out of tennis altogether. 
And that's when I got my spreadsheet out. It's probably the most research I've ever done. And I researched every single life coaching, business coaching, uh, all these different courses that I could do. And the Open Door Coaching Group was one of those those courses. And I'm so grateful that I that I chose it. I loved that it had a business element. I thought I was going to go into business, which is ironic because it is where I am now. It just took it. What happened momentarily is once I studied this methodology and I understood that coaching was unlocking the learning that lives within somebody else, which Sir John Whitmore uses that definition to uh, to define coaching. I had always come from a different lens cap of what coaching was. And I love that Sir John Whitmore uses the concepts from The Inner Game of Tennis by Timothy Galway. Highly recommend the book if uh, for your listeners because that book talks about uh, the concepts of unlocking the potential when we can remove internal obstacles and noise, then a natural ability will flow forth. And so he used those concepts to define coaching. And then when I understood, I, and then it's like when the penny finally dropped, because it didn't initially, I thought, I don't know about this. I don't know about yeah, this business yeah. coaching. I was like, yeah. oh, you know, we're just asking questions. That's it. Like, so when I finally had my aha moment and I, I then I began to practice what this was in the sporting context, I saw people hold up better under pressure and I saw greater results. It took me a little longer at the start because people were like, why are you asking me all these questions? Mm. They weren't used to that form of coaching. Yeah, yeah. But then the long-term benefits was that I was enabling them to become the best version of themselves possible. And then that sort of catapulted me back in, into tennis. So then fast forward uh, the beautiful story around the book. <laughs> so I, I'd, I had attempted a number of manuscripts and I always thought that's just, this is like crap and it was like all over the shop and no one's ever going to read it. And, uh, and, and we had coffee, this is about yeah. three, four years ago. And Natalie's like, oh, well, give it to me. I'll have a read. And so she she takes it and she she puts red pen all yeah, through it. Yeah, like yeah, like yeah. I was in, in yeah, high school. Yeah, yeah. I'm so, right? And then I, and so I put it down for one year. Like couldn't, I couldn't, like I remember going yeah. through the first chapter yeah. of the red pen and I was like, yeah. I, I can't, I, I was like, this, this book is not, I'm going to shelve it. It's not meant to be written. But I then needed a reference letter uh, from yeah. Natalie. Yeah. And I knew, like a good coach, I was like, I'm going to just ask for the reference letter. But what did I know? She was going to say, and how's the book going? I, knew <laughs> it. I was like, I was like, I'll just wait and see if she asks. And of course she did. And I said, it's too hard. I haven't been able to look at it since you had a look at it last. And she goes, go on, let's do this. Let's, you know, let's partner on it. And well. let's, let's, she goes, this is, let's finish it. Let's, and, and by that point as well, the interesting thing, in the story mm. is that I have was just accumulating all this amazing data. Mm. Yes. So even though it 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 like if if maybe if we had it done it in within 12 months of it it happening six years ago, I wouldn't have had over 500 responses of the world's leading coaches yes. Yes. and asking them the the holy grail question in, in one tour maximum three words, what makes a great coach? So I wouldn't have had such rich data if it hadn't taken so long. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and so that's that's a really nice backstory behind why and how we really have been able to create this opportunity. And then throughout that, getting to know each other quite intimately, you know, mm -hmm. beyond just a course, yeah, yeah. Uh, then Natalie offered me an amazing opportunity to run the Open Door Coaching methodology in, in the US. Wow. Wow. So that's okay. how, how that came about. And I'm so grateful and, and to run the High Performance Coaching Certification in, in the United States. It's all, you know, it's Open Door, the methodology. It's what I believe in. And it's what I've been practising since 2006 and, and note the word practice again so yeah. uh, so thank you for partnering yeah. <laughs> very can, can exciting I, times can i just yeah. ask a question there um, before we go mm. on the nets um because you, you know you, you both you both you don't have to but you both i hope you both answer the question um emma when you got your book back with all the red <laughs> pen when you with all the red pen over it can i ask you this because i think i can relate to this um were you a little bit angry and was your ego hurt? Uh, it was so long ago. I'm trying to remember. My ego has been hurt so many times throughout the whole <laughs> process. And I think because I don't, I, I think if I don't consider myself ever a writer and writing skills have always been such a challenge. 
that I don't get too hurt. If someone goes, this is crap, I, I'm I'm more of the self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah, it is crap. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. So it wasn't really ego being hurt. It was more like having the belief to get back up, which is practice 10, resilience. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was more of a practice of resiliency than than ego because, yeah, that's that's how I felt about that. What are, mm. what are your thoughts on <laughs> <laughs> reflection? Look, I still feel bad. <laughs> but you know, I still feel really bad because um, I know when I wrote my first book and I got and I've I've you know written I've written different um, pieces and I've done academic writing and I know what it's like to get back the red pen. You know, it's horrible. Um, particularly, I think when you've invested a lot of effort and time into a piece and you think it's your best work. So, for someone. You know, I still feel bad that it that might have rubbished <laughs> Emma's first manuscript. But um, for me, uh, it was it, there's there's um, so for whatever that first manuscript was, it it was a story, and for me, it was a story that needed to be told. Yeah. Um, and it, there's so many um, great. Uh, stories and the wisdom and the messages that Emma's just got bottled up inside her, uh, that it was just so important for me to let that voice be heard. So that's when I remember um, saying to her, you know what, um, if you trusted me, if you trust me, I I, I could do some of this for you. Mm -hmm. I could do some of this writing um, for you and I could I could do it. And, and I remember um, feeling the pressure of, holding the story because some of the stories got chopped out yeah. uh, actually quite a few stories got chopped out yeah. like you said yeah. nothing not everything is gonna not yes. everything's gonna make the final cut but I felt like in chopping out these stories I was cutting off a piece of Emma's arm or something yeah. like that or ripping out a piece of her heart so it was quite difficult for me in the beginning to um, to make those cuts but I kept saying I, I promise you the story's still there it's just gonna it's just not going to be here right now. I, I've packaged it up and put it in a document and we haven't lost it and it'll come back at some stage. Yeah. Or it won't. <laughs> or it won't, yeah. So I was always very, very cautious about um, uh, taking the stories, treating them with the respect that they actually deserved yes. Yes. And, and all of the stories and all of the wisdom and all of the lessons, even if they didn't all meet you know, make the final cut in the book. So I do have a document, actually, which is probably what makes a great coach part two. Yeah. <laughs> All the other stuff we didn't tell you about. So. But what I like about what Natalie just said, too, is I think, like, the thickness of the book, right, I just looked up how many pages it was there. I didn't even know how many pages until I just looked it up. So it's basically 180 pages. Could easily be 300 pages. Mm. Yes. But I'm, what I like is the fact that, 180 a it's an easy read two it's easy to consume it's yeah. you know the way that we've laid it out that as you know like the pop-up boxes and, yes. and things yeah. like that it makes for consumable and that and that's something I said to Nat I said that's how I like to consume a book yes yes so get my highlighter and you know pull out the important parts and reflect on you know what does the practice mean to me so I so that's what I'm really proud of and I'm glad she chopped out <laughs> I'm there's no bad it, and actually as as you could probably relate Ellen I have a saying that is pretty simple it's it's three words and Nat would say this and I'd say no worries mate <laughs> no worries mate <laughs> I really did I never said you that did. story's got to go in. Uh, yeah. Even when yeah. right at the end, I go, oh, should we throw this one in? And she's like, no. Okay. I find it hard to say no because you're saying no to something that's very important, you know, oh, to yeah. the uh, to Emma. And and the story is important and the message is important. It's just not, not right here. <laughs> not in this chapter because we've got enough. So, yeah. Uh, you know, well, and, and that takes a lot of trust, I think, as, as authors. For and sure. that's a great leadership trait, of mm. course. And that's, and, I, and that's why I come back to, um, like, Nat, you're very, very um, self-depreciating that it's, it's, it's Emma's show. Um, but um, you can see how much you feed off each other and how much you <laughs> give each other, and that's what makes us it. And, and I love that you shared, uh, and that's what I love about these interviews, you kind of find out the story behind the story. Um, 
And that, I think that's what makes the book so special is the the energy together and the trust. Because ultimately, um, Emma, and you've written other books, um, Nat, your first book is like your baby. So if you give it to someone else to read, it's it's a very nerve-wracking thing to do. Um, so, yeah. And it does relate back to your, uh, you know, the title of your series as well, um, Ellen, around courage. So honestly, um, it it takes a lot of courage to hand over a manuscript yeah, to yeah. someone. Um, and equally, it takes a lot of courage to say things back to that person because we all want to be liked. I, I don't want to ruin a friendship with, with Emma because, you know, I'm making out like her manuscript is rubbish. So it, it wasn't, by the way, but it was. It was. <laughs> but, you know, it, it takes courage actually to, to, to do uh, what Emma did to hand over the manuscript. Um, it takes courage for me to be able to give the feedback that I need. Um, and it takes a lot of courage to work through the differences um, and and to to get the agreements on the direction. So um, the leadership in terms of um, you know Emma trusting me to kind of lead the way on certain directions, um, it it takes courage to uh, innate you know to to believe in and trust. Yes. yes. But but there's also a lot of courage to say all right. Trust me on this one. <laughs> yeah. know? So, so there's a lot of that kind of uh, courage, trust woven into each other, I think. Which relates nicely to the practice around number one is decision-making mm. and, and practice two uh, being belief. Uh, so having the belief in me and in mm. each other and also to make those decisions is a huge coaching skill and a leadership skill. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I could just walk away and let you talk, pair talk, because you're just kind of rolling, rolling off your tongue. So it's it's, it's utterly. Um, and I'll just I will give a plug about the book now. So everything you, the, both of you, have said about it, like I read it um, in two days. That uh, was uh, my wife and I's thirty uh, fifth wedding anniversary. We're up in a beautiful resort up in Port Stephens, and um, I just read it in two days beside the pool, really. Um, and and then the, you talk about courage. Um, I thought, I wonder if they would come on the show, on my show. Oh. Uh, so so while I had the a little bit of the high of reading your book, because I think your emails, uh, um, your contact details are at the back of the book, um, I'll put it out there. Uh, and that's, that's that's so that's kind of um, the power of your book. You, know, you took me out of my comfort zone to ask, because you are by far the most high-profile people I've had on the show. Um, and I'm so glad you said yes, because your energy is beautiful, absolutely beautiful. So the last two questions. Well, well first of all, thank you for reading the book on your holiday. <laughs> you were by the pool on your wedding anniversary. Um, and thank you for, you know, for reaching out to us. It's a pleasure. That's all right. So the last two questions, um, and you kind of hinted at it already, actually. What did you both learn about yourselves in writing this book? It's yeah, there's lots of lots and lots of yes. lots of lots of learnings. I, I think if I relate, I mean, there's so many that I could pick up. But um, if maybe if I highlight two, one is that as you uh, write the book, you have to be in integrity as an author as well. So I was constantly uh, checking in on myself. Do I practice this? Is this a practice for me? How am I practicing listening? How am I practicing curiosity? Um, how am I practicing decision making? And in the book, we encourage um, that that self reflection, and we even suggest you know take one of the practices, look at that for a week or a month or whatever you like. And so um, that was probably what I learned about about the the myself is that I actually am in that continuous um, development. I knew that already, but to really analyze your work in terms of am I living this authentically this practice I think was a really great great learning opportunity for me yeah I think from my perspective the the learning came in having a structure so what I mean by that is I'm very creative and I do love to tell a story and so through dialogue Natalie was able to really bring the practices to life and then we got into this flow of sort of the why, the what, the how, and the now. And I think it's helped me become a better speaker uh, just by having a little more structure but yet still allowing creativity. And I think, again, talking about the courage to lead, I still want to have my 
my spontaneous spirit and my creative nature in a structured way to help audiences digest the mm-hmm. material. Because in the past, I've definitely, again, as I said, verbal diarrhea, or, or I try to give even too much if in a keynote, even like, here's, here's everything I know, take it yeah, yeah. In, in a talk. Whereas just getting, stripping back the layers or peeling back the onion, just being out the why is the story, the what is the practice, the how, yeah. how do you implement it? the coaching tool as well. Mm. We have a coaching tool for offer that complements the book. And then the now is the reflection, like, well, what are you going to do about it? Yeah, yeah, So yeah. that's that's uh, the, some learning. And I might that's, just, um, yeah. so go on. So does yeah. that answer you? This is where I love how you pair kind of enrich each other, I suppose, um, is, is the word I'm looking for. You, you better each other. Like, see, on when you work with people, yeah, the product is always better than when you work on your own. Normally, now that's that's yeah. that's a, that's a, a good coach and a good leader. Um, so if I can just pick the eyes out of your answer, Emma, and Nat might be able to help me. Did those ten practices, because they're not chapters, were they in existence before you pair got together, or was it just a story? So the the top ten practices is based on the research. Okay. So right. we researched over 500 of the world's leading coaches and asked them that, whole, you know, the guiding question in one to a maximum of three words. We took that data and, for example, even though uh, uh, practice number four is passion, that was the highest answer yes. across all the coaches. So, uh, so the practices are out of the data and then the stories came then based on us workshopping and, and dialoguing and, and what I I had already sort of unpacked in my own life and my own story and how they related to those practices. And Natalie was brilliant at being able to say, hey, Emma, that story that you've got about oh, when yeah, you took those yeah. kids overseas, yeah. that relates beautifully uh, to the practice of um, empathy, for chapter. example. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think yeah. what's also um, important about that, though, is that it's not just um, Emma's stories. Um, Emma's done... Uh, over 500 interviews of the world's greatest coaches. And so the book is actually full of, well, what did uh, that person, what did Serena Williams' coach say about that topic? What did, so we are really talking about the world's best um, coaches, not only in sport, but in business. What did they say about the topic of um, of passion or what did um, the forward is by um, Judy Murray. So um, those of you that know tennis will know Judy as the mother of world, former world number one, Andy Murray and, and, oh, okay. and his brother, Jane. And so what did Judy Murray say about listening? You know, what did Roger Federer say about what makes a great coach? So Emma has been able to uh interview connect um ask the great questions of these people uh and all of that information um is in the book as well so yes you're learning from us and you're learning from emma but truly uh readers are learning from the world's best the world's best which is very exciting that's a Mm. great um that's a great kind of selling point for the book and then it is a very high i would recommend anyone read it because it's just not just about it's about life. It's not tennis. I'm saying it's about life. Um, so it's great. So one last question. Um, I'd like to ask you heaps more, but um, one one last. What's one takeaway you would like a reader um, to experience from what makes a great coach? Well, I think for me, um, it it is uh, what you've just said there, Alan. So we've used tennis as um, as a platform, I suppose, to do a lot of the discussion in the book. But it's not a tennis coaching book. It's not a book on how to hit a backhand or how to hit a forehand. So the t- the takeaway is that these are the practices of great coaches, um, and if we can do this practice as as parents or as moms or as um, grandparents or guardians or or leaders or managers or in whatever capacity, um, we all can practice um, these practices and we can all be great coaches in whatever context. Um, and I think that's the great message is one chapter might 
you might relate to that in terms of if you're coaching kids. Um, another chapter you might relate to is if I'm a grandparent. So uh, another chapter you might relate to as a business owner or a, a leader or a manager in the workplace. So um, I think there's, and, and of course, all of the chapters we can relate to in terms of our own professional development as well. So I think I think the scenarios and how we use it, and I, we want this book to be something you just don't read once. You, yes. you might yeah. read it again next year or the year after and you go, actually, this practice is really resonating with me now. I didn't get much out of it the first time I read yes. it. But yeah. now this practice, because of what's happening in my life, um, it you know, it means something more to me now. It means something more to my grandchildren or my my the people I'm trying to coach or Yes. Anyway, long winded answer, but yes, no, that's, a, that's a great that's yeah. a great answer. And I think Emma kind of hinted at that before you answered it um, in one of her other previous answers. Um about your coaching program um she didn't know well i don't i don't like this business stuff about asking questions i don't think um and i think sometimes when you read a book or you do something new you've got to give it a fair shot a fair go um and and shut down your own biased thinking and open to something new and i think you just i love what you just said in that um one chapter can be if you're a grandparent, which I am. Uh, one, one if I'm in the workplace, uh, if I'm a dad, or whatever. If I'm a, I'm the, I'm the, the captain of the football team or the softball team. It, it's all relatable. So what a great, great answer, Emma. Well, over yeah, to you. Yeah. Well, I think also you don't have to read the book in chronological order as well. Mm. So you can just pick up a practice. If you're going through some challenges or change within your workplace, you might just focus on the chapter of curiosity and see what other possibilities and great questions you can ask of yourself and your team. But I think the one takeaway that I would like readers, and, and actually any time I speak, uh, I always just ask people to take action, mm. whether that is something they're going to do for themselves. And in the, in the final chapter that's called uh, Game, Set, Match, we, we say, what are you going to do for yourself in the next 24 hours? What can you do for one of your players or your teammates in the next seven days, in the next 90 days, the next three months? What practice are you going to commit to actually working on? And where do you need more coaching tools? Uh, and who can help you with that? And maybe who might who else needs to read this book? And you know, as I alluded to earlier, we have over 20 coaching tools uh, as an online course that go along with the book as well. So these are practical coaching tools, especially around language and how you can implement the a practice of listening, for example, using the word and instead of but, just another practical coaching tool that isn't necessarily in the book but is complementing the book. And I'm not saying your, your listeners need to go out and buy the toolkit, but start with the book. Yeah. And then if that ignites the curiosity, then then please reach out and, and ask us about the toolkit. Uh, but take action. Read it and do something about it. Don't just say, that was a good book and stick it on the shelf and, <laughs> and, and be a dust collector. Yeah. And if you do like it, re leave us a, a review. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. that's, pretty, that's that pretty, uh, pretty important, the review. So you've just taken yes. me into my, um, probably the, 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 the closing thing that I do at the end of each interview um each each podcast but just to to set yourself at ease emma and i've already said this um you want the reader to take action so within the first 12 hours i sent you an email um and then then because of that email i think you pair have just presented the courage to lead interview series was the best ever interview so far because your energy um, you'll be the first video. I'm gonna. I, I will learn how to do the YouTube stuff. Uh, so you will be our first YouTube. So you've convinced this old bloke to take action. Um, and uh, and all I would say, just to sum it up, is the ratings part of it. Anyone listening to today, all the listeners, um, I can assure you that I will listen. I listen to some of these interviews over and over and over again to pick out, pick the eyes out of what these great leaders share. I'll be listening to this one over and over and over again. So the listeners, this this um, will be on Apple, um, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. So if the way that these messages of these two great people in uh, Emma and Nat gets out there is to leave good reviews and leave good ratings, and and the and the show goes on. So can I say Nat and Emma, 
Uh, you're beautiful people, um, and your, en <laughs> your energy is so wonderful, and and I I can't wait. I, I get really impatient when I have a good interview because you know I've only released them every two weeks. So this is got to This is around Christmas, New Year's, <laughs> this one. But um, but thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, thank you for having us. We will be celebrating uh, this weekend, so it's great. The episode Christmas. It's a festive season. Alan, we appreciate uh, you sharing our message, one to many, and we wish everybody enjoy your coaching and uh, thanks for having us. Thank you. Thank you, Nat. And Emma, thank you very much. Well, how good was that? Emma and Nat's energy is just infectious. They really are committed to providing the right environment to coach people to reach their full potential and do their absolute best. What the main thing Emma and Nat ask you to do after reading their book, What Makes a Great Coach, is to take action. At the end of the book, there are these questions that are quite relevant for the end of this podcast. What will you do for yourself in the next 24 hours? What will you do for one of your players or team members in the next seven days? Who do you think needs to read this book next? From the 10 practices, what are your strengths? Name at least three. And what areas do you need to develop in? What will you commit to working on in the next 90 days? And finally, take time to dream. What is your dream? Thanks again for listening. I hope you enjoy the show as much as I do presenting it to you. See you next time.